0: If you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 3. We're going to be finishing up not only John chapter 3, but we're also going to be finishing up our series today on knowing God. And um, I know we've taken a, a long course through this as we've went through where we stand as a church, what we believe as a church, but also in the last couple of weeks we've gone through what happens to us. When we come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, it all starts off with our regeneration or being born again. Then it goes to justification. God makes it just as if I have it sinned. Then God does those works, but then we move into a arena that really does have a lot to do with us. And this is our sanctification. This is when we make less of ourselves and more of Jesus. And today, we're going to talk about glorification. Glorification is probably the most misunderstood of all of these things. A lot of people think that glorification is about a destination. But glorification is far from a a destination. Glorification is about a person. Yes, yes. We will have a glorified body. But at the same time, the glorification that we will experience is when we are face to face with the one who died for us. What a beautiful thing it's going to be. For those who missed it yesterday, we had an absolute blast. We ate fish, we cooked fish, we ate chicken, we ate hot dogs, we ate hush puppies. And there is a couple of people that I really do need to call out and thank them. And it's, it's our cooks. I'm going to tell you, thank you to all who did help with the fish fry yesterday. But I really want to call out our cooks. I want to thank Jerry Hush Puppy Carnes for those little bites of, of heavenly manna that come from a deep fryer. I want to thank Tommy Fry Daddy Green, who made some mean fish yesterday. It was was so flaky. It was so moist. It was cooked just right. But I also want to thank the Vitamin G Lopez's. For those who don't know what Vitamin G is, that's grease in the south. It is a vitamin who also helped with that fish. I wanna thank Don Grillmaster Anderson. Man, that chicken was awesome, Don. And those hot dogs, I didn't eat one, but the boys sure loved them, so rock on, brother. And most importantly, not most importantly, but I do wanna thank Jim Hold The Cooler Down Mullins, because if Jim had not have sit on that cooler all day, I'm not sure that it would have stayed in place. And we are so thankful that he did his part. Yes, Jim, I'm just messing with you, dude. You done good on the Hush Puppies, too. But we're glad that cooler stayed in its place. But one of the most glorious things that happened took place on the wiffle ball battlefield. Yes, it was a battlefield. I'm gonna say this. And I heard a lot of you say, I'm not going out there to play wiffle ball because I'm afraid I will tear something. I think I did. I really think I did. But one of the most glorious moments took place on that battlefield. My own son said that it was the best play that he had ever saw in wiffle ball history. Now, this was his first wiffle ball game, so he really doesn't have a lot to measure it up to. But as Rebecca Anderson was up to bat, (laughs) she hit... A ground infield ball straight to shortstop Scotty Girard. <laughs> there was a forced run on second base. Jordan, oh bless his heart, Jordan Young. And as Jordan run behind me, I grabbed that ball up, took two steps to turn around and get him. Tripped, <laughs> went straight to my knees, tore my gluteus maximus or something, whatever's right here. But the most beautiful thing is, as I was going down to my knees, that ball left my hand as he was sliding into third base, tagged him right on the foot. You're out! The earthquake was in Papua New Guinea yesterday, not at Meek's Park. (laughs) Yeah, Dalton says it's the best wiffle ball play he ever saw. Again, it's his first game. But anyway, it was a glorious time. I loved it. Jordan didn't. (laughs) Sorry, dude. But at the same time, you know, those glorious moments are something that we have to relish because they come far in between. But even with those type of glorious moments, they do not even compare to what we will see one day. While we personally did not get to see this day that we're talking about today, we live in the glory of it. We live in the glory of it. Of the day that the incorruptible incorruptible world come to a corrupted world. We live in the glory the day that the powerful world came to the weak world. We live in the glory of the day that the spiritual world came to the physical world. We live in the glory of the day that the honorable world came to the dishonorable. We live in the day of the glory of when heaven came to earth. In John chapter 3, starting in verse 31. This is what John the Baptist says. He who has come from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth. And speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. Notice he said it twice. What he has seen and heard, of that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God for he gives the spirit <clears throat> he gives the spirit without measure the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand he who believes in the son has eternal life but he who does not obey the son will not see life but the wrath of god abides on him pray with me Father, I am so thankful to be able to have this opportunity not just to expound on this word, Lord, but what you've already done in me through this word. Father, it's, it's no secret. It's obvious to all. And just like the song said well. ago, For those of us who this world is not our home, it's tough being here. It's tough being here, Lord, because we are still limited and bound by all the things that hold us back. But Father, we know that there will come a day when we will see you face to face, when you will Show us what life really is because you will show us Jesus. Father, I'm thankful that many who are here today have already made a profession of you as Lord and Master. But Father, I also know that there may be some here today who do not know you in that way. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would draw them to yourself just as you drew many of us as well. Father, I want to thank you for what we're about to celebrate here in a little bit. And I just pray, God, that you would use this church to disciple our young people for your purpose, for your glory. Now, Father, we just ask that you bless this time that we have in your word and that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us a mind and a heart to understand what your word has for us. But also, Father, I pray this morning, that you would help us to apply this word to our life as we leave this place as well. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yesterday, I discovered just how limited this world is. As you get older, you start to realize that there are some things that you can't do as well as you used to. Yesterday, we got to watch Ricky. I'm not going to say run to first base in the wiffle ball. I'm not even going to say it as a jog, maybe speed walking. Is that what you would call it, Ricky? But even with me, I couldn't believe how hard running 90 feet was. But the truth is, is that this world is a testimony to how limited we are. What are we limited to by in this world? One of the things that we're limited by in this world is time. For some of you, I know a couple of our students, matter of fact, I think three of you within the last two weeks got your driver's license. For years, you've been waiting on this moment. For months, me and your mamas and daddies have been praying for this moment because Lord help you. Actually, Lord help us as you venture out on the road. But when you get older, While you're limited from things when you're younger, when you get older, you start to realize how limited you are by the remaining time that you have left. I mean, it's a humbling thing when you start to turn 40 and then you realize that you are, by average standards, at about half your lifespan. It's limiting. This world is also limited by our understanding. One of the most asked questions in all of the world, and I don't care what the language is, is asked in one simple word. Anybody want to guess it? Why? If you've ever had four to eight-year-olds, you've heard this word more times than you ever really want to think about. Because everything you do is Why? Everything you say is why. And I know everybody says, well, that's the same way with your teenagers. No, teenagers just tune you out. They ain't listening to you at all. Their question ain't why. They're just out in their own world. But why is something that we all struggle with because we want to understand why things are taking place the way they are. We want to understand why all this unrest is happening right now in Israel and Gaza We want to understand why right now earthquakes are taking place in Papua New Guinea. And please be in prayer for Jake and Marissa. I did get an email from them. They are safe, but the earthquakes have been within 50 miles of where they are. Some of them have been upwards of, I think, 6.1 was the biggest one. But they've had a lot of five um, level 5 earthquakes after that. So please be in prayer for them. But we wonder why. Why is the world doing this? We wonder, why are things the way they are? And I get it. I get it. I get it why my kids want to know why. I get it why you want to know why. Because when we know what the why is, you know what it brings us? It brings us comfort. Because then we understand why things are happening the way they are. This earth is also limited by knowledge. This is a hard one to believe. With as many books and as many capabilities that we have in this world today, it's hard to believe that our world is limited by knowledge, isn't it? But I have a theory. You want to hear my theory? My theory is this thing is only made to contain so much. Can I get an amen? amen? It is only meant to contain so much. And the more book knowledge, this is my theory, the more book knowledge that you put into this thing, the more common sense leaks out the other side. (laughs) Did y'all notice that? Some of the most educated people in the world have zero common sense. They get I mean, seriously, the things that just seem common to me, it's just so far from them. Now, those complex things like algebra, calculus, God knows why we need those, but those complex things that they know, that's oblivious to me. But knowing to drive on the right side of the road when you're going slower and not on the left side where you're supposed to be doing at least 90? (laughs) I don't understand that. Common sense tells you to move over. But you know why they don't understand that? Because they're smart. They're so smart. They got this thing filled up with everything else. But even then, the smartest people in this world still wrestle with one thing. What is the meaning of life? This earth is world limited by all these things because of one thing. And that one thing is something that I talk on a lot. That one thing is sin. Sin is the culprit of all these things that limit this world. Sin brought our time on this earth to a limit. You see, we were created in the image of God. That means that we were created to live forever. When sin came into this world, what came with it? Death came with it. Sin limited our time. Sin limited our understanding because sin brought in this whole perspective of pleasure versus wisdom. And those two things are hard, hard to decide between because while we want the pleasure of this world, a lot of times when we take the pleasure, what we do is we jeopardize the wisdom that God has given us. And that's what causes us to make foolish decisions. We give in to the desires of our flesh. So it's limited our understanding. It's limited our knowledge as well. In the simple act of knowing right from wrong. And even now in today's time, a lot of people want to say, there's gray areas. Brothers and sisters, there's no gray areas when it comes to sin. It's either you are living a life that is honoring and pleasing to God or you are living in a life of sin. And even with that, let's just be honest, even with that, sometimes it becomes confusing to us. Why? Because we are sinful people. This world is limited. And the reason it's limited is because the sin... That brought all its limits with us. So you know what this tells us? That glorification is not here. We will not see glorification in our lives. This side of eternity. This is something that we long for. It's something what we hope for. And Tommy, I seriously couldn't pick a better song to lead into this. Because this world is not our home. As much as we like it, as much as we want to stay here, I can promise you this. There is a better place with a better person that awaits us. For those who believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you need to understand this. Your best days are not today. If your best days are today, your eternity is somewhere else. And that is a sad, sad reality for many people. But we go chasing after this. We want the best of things now in our life. But when John the Baptist is trying to explain this to his disciples, because that's who he's talking to here. He's talking to his disciples. They're in an argument, or not an argument, but they're trying to figure out why are all these people going to Jesus and not following after John the Baptist. And John the Baptist told them, I'm not the one you need to be following. This man, this man by the name of Jesus, the Son of God, Is the one that you need to follow. And he sums it up by telling them this He is from above. Okay, now when we think about that one little word, or two words, from above, that tells us that He is not from here. I wonder if that's why Jesus was isolated. You know how it is when you go to a hometown area and you ain't from here? You either from here or you ain't from here. You know what I mean? I wonder if that was the same thing that happened with Jesus. Because it even says that most people did not accept His testimony. Why? Because He wasn't from here. He was from above. When He talks about being from above, He talks about the heavenly place from which Jesus came. Because regardless of what people think, Jesus did not come into existence. On December 25th, either between the years of uh, 03 BC and 01 AD, Jesus has always existed. He come off his throne, come down to here with us. And as believers, we know this. We know this. We know where he is from. But I've got to ask you this. As believers, if we know that He is what we're supposed to be going after and He is from above, why is it that we get caught up in chasing our glory here? Can anybody answer me that? Because if you can, you can help me figure out me. Because a lot of times, even myself, I try to find my glory here. I find my glory in my boys because of what they're able to do and just how good they are at baseball and soccer and basketball and how smart they are. I find my glory in my wife. Why? Because she brings me comfort here on this earth. But can I ask you this? Do my boys and my wife compare to Jesus? No. And I'm not saying forsake your husband. I'm not saying forsake your wife. I'm not saying forsake your kids. But I am telling you this. They will let you down. They don't mean to. But if you find your glory in them, I can promise you this. Your glory will be broken on this earth. I want you to think about the distance. The distance that Jesus traveled to be with us. In my years of ministry, I've traveled some long distances. A couple of years ago, me and Chuck and Ernie left late one evening, drove all the night to Newport, Ritchie, just to spend some time with Jim and June before June and went home to be with the Lord. And for some of you, you know, that's the same trip that Ernie run us out of gas just south of Perry on the way back. And for some reason, while Ernie was on the phone with Donna, me and Chuck huffed it about a good mile, wasn't it, to go get gas. How does that work? He runs us out of gas and me and Chuck are walking. We didn't think that one through, brother. But I can think of other times that I've traveled up to 400 miles to go to a funeral. Why? Just to be with people, to comfort them, to love them. But you know what? None of those even come close to the distance that Jesus went for us. From heaven to here. There's no way we can put a scale on what distance that is. But I want to put an image on for you. Jesus went from perfection to corruption. Who does that? Who does that? Whenever we want to move somewhere in our lives, whenever we want to move to another location, do we look for the worst place possible? No. We're looking up Google reviews. We're looking up all these things. Even when we stay in hotel rooms, we're starting to read those reviews because we want to know who's got the bed bugs. We want to know who don't have the bed bugs. We want to know who's got the best breakfast. We want to know all these things. Nobody purposely goes from the best place to the worst. But Jesus did. Jesus did. He went from His glory to a place of our corruption. And you know what? It didn't stop there. Because even when He came to this place, He still had another distance to go. And that distance, according to some scholars, to some Theologians who think they know where Golgotha was, was a distance of about two miles march. And he did it with a cross. Hung on his back as he walked up that hill to take on the sin that we committed. Who does that? I might do it for my boys. I might do it for my wife. But I'm going to be honest with you. Most likely I wouldn't do it for any of you. This type of individual is proven right there that he didn't come from here. He come from above. And this above is a place that we long to be. In verse 32, it tells that He testifies. He testifies to the things that He has seen and to the things that He has heard. Not only did He travel a great distance, He tells us that there is a greater life. When we talk about us going to heaven, we always talk about the glorified body, don't we? And I get it. I look forward to a day where my gluteus maximus doesn't hurt anymore. And that actually is a muscle. I looked it up this morning just to see. But I look forward to a day when I bend over and I don't pop. You know what I mean? I look forward to a day to where I don't have to roll out of bed, to where I can sit up just right, you know, get out on my four feet, or two feet, four feet. (laughs) I get out on four feet now because I normally hit the floor. I look forward to a day to where I have no illness. But I look forward to a day to where I truly have life. Remember what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the what? One of the biggest things that we misunderstand about this is when we talk about eternal life, what we are talking about is Jesus. See, we make it all about the destination, don't we? And I've even heard this from a lot of kids. Well, I don't want to go to hell. And I get that. I totally get that. I understand that. But truthfully, from what Jesus is saying here, because He even says it there at the last... He says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. Who is the life? Jesus. What Jesus is trying to tell us here is it's not necessarily about a destination, but it's more importantly about a person. I want to ask you a serious question, and I know this is one that you're going to have to think about. But if you could go to heaven, if you could go to heaven and see all that is described here in this book, but Jesus was not there. Would you want to go? Would you want to go? That automatically tells you right there that it's not about a destination, it's about a person. It's about the person who came off of his throne, who came to this earth, who took on the sin that we committed and died so that we could be with Him forever. In verse 34 it says, He has the Spirit without limits. And you know, even us, we have the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit that lives in us. But he had it in a way that was without all limits. Y'all ever been around somebody that you can just tell they spend a lot of time with God? You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that they're super smart or they know the word. There's just something about the countenance of this person that when you're around them, you know that these people actually spend time with God on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. And there's just a presence there with them that you know these are true men of God. And I've got to meet many of them. I've got to meet many of them. But there is one individual that stands out more than any other individual that I've got to meet. Some of you got to meet him. But he is a gentleman by the name of Bill Stafford. Bill Stafford was an evangelist. He was a pastor for the early part of his life, and in his later years, he became an evangelist. And I want to tell you something. This is a man who was so humble. It just amazed me. Because you see, most of these evangelists, and I hate to say this, but it's true. Most of these evangelists, when they're not in the pulpit, they're locked away somewhere in a room. But Bill Stafford parked his RV right down here at the back of the church. And during the day, instead of being locked away, confined in his RV, do you know where he was? He was in my office. He was in Tommy's office. He was in Stacy's office. He was going around meeting with other pastors in the community. He wanted to be present with the people. And there was just something about this man That you knew he had spent time with God. It's funny, but Bill Stafford's name comes to my mind a lot, especially when I'm going through hard times. Because this man poured some truth into me. I know he poured some truth into Tommy, he poured truth into all of us. But most importantly, he loved us with a spirit. That was not his own. This is what made Jesus so appealing to so many. But only a certain type of people. See, this is what made Jesus so appealing to the sick. Because the sick people knew they needed help. This is what made Jesus so appealing to the hurting people but because the hurting people knew that they needed something to bring them comfort. This is what made Jesus so appealing to the weak individuals because the weak individuals knew they needed help. And this is what made Jesus so appealing to the people who were searching for something because Jesus came searching them out. But if you take that and reverse it, it tells you also why so many people rejected Jesus. Sick people who don't know they're sick don't know they need a cure. Hurting people who swallow it down and hold it down deep inside of them don't know that they need comfort because all they do is just take a big old gulp. People who are weak but don't know they're weak, don't know that they need extra strength for this day. But people who are not searching for something more than this earth don't realize that when their time's up, they need something more. Proud people. Don't come to Jesus because they don't think they need him. Let me tell you something. A proud person will die in his arrogance completely separated from God. And a proud Christian will hinder their walk with God all of their life Because they think they can do it on their own. Brothers and sisters, I have Jesus. But daily, I still need Him. I can't do it. I can't stand up here and do this. If I were to try to do this on my own strength, I am powerless. But that Spirit draws me to him on a daily basis and I'm thankful it does brothers and sisters are you letting that spirit continue to draw you to him in his word through prayer through fellowship with like minded believers are you allowing his spirit to draw you to that or are you still looking for the things of this world because that spirit it not only draws you it's still drawing many today about a month ago, a young man, many of you know him, not going to mention his name right now, but a young man that's here in this church, every Wednesday night he comes up to me and he says, hey, Pastor Scotty, how are you doing? I don't know why he does it, but he either I don't look like I'm doing well or what have you. But this man is always so polite and so kind and always worried about how I'm doing. Well, for many months now, I've been praying for this young man. I've been praying for a lot of our young children because I know the time is coming when God's going to start knocking. And he told me, he said, Pastor Scotty, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. So we took time, we went in Jerry's office, and we just started talking. He said, something happened to me the other day, Pastor Scotty. And I said, what is it? He said, I was in the library all by myself. And something just hit me. I was like, did an individual hit you? He he said, no, something hit me in here. I said, okay, tell me what you mean. He said, that day I knew I needed Jesus. I looked at him I said, okay, well, what'd you do? He said, I did the only thing that I knew to do. I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Amen. Church. Jesus is calling people in Union County Primary School to know Him, to love Him, to embrace Him, and for them to get forgiveness, for them to get life, for them to get justification, for them to come to a true understanding of who He is. And today, we all get to be a part Of a celebration of that. I'm working this into the sermon. Because while we don't get to see glorification. This side of heaven. Sometimes. God allows us to get a little taste of it. And that little taste of it. Is sometimes all we need. Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue to help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.